If you want to pump your body and expand your mind, there's only one place to go. Mind Pump. Mind Pump. With your hosts, Sal Stefano, Adam Schaefer, and Justin Andrews. In this episode of Mind Pump, for the first 45 minutes, we do our introductory fun time conversation. That's before we get into the fitness part of this episode. Here's what we talked about in the intro. First off, Adam is really enjoying the flavor of the Four Sigmatic Coffee They latte. got me. Hell got froze me. over. They got him. Uh, it tastes good, but here's what's good about it. There's some caffeine in there and some chaga, so you'll get that smooth energy buzz to give you the focus you need throughout the day. Anyway, Four Sigmatic, one of the companies that we work with, we love them. If you go to Four Sigmatic, that's F-O-U-R-S-I-G-M-A-T-I-C.com forward slash mind pump and use the code mind pump at checkout, you'll get a massive discount. Then we talked about getting good sleep and what that takes and the, the, the signs that show that you're getting good or bad sleep. And that led us right to talking about blue blocking glasses. Felix Gray is our favorite company for blue blocking glasses because they look the best, the quality is the best, and their lenses don't change everything into a funny orange tint. Yeah. Anyhow, Felix Gray is having a huge sale, 10% off two lenses or two glasses or 15% off for three and they are one of our sponsors. If you go to Felix Gray, that's F-E-L-I-X-G-R-A-Y, glasses.com forward slash mind pump, you'll get free shipping and free returns. Plus, there's that big sale that we just talked yeah, about. you want to double up. Then Justin talked about how there's only one blockbuster in the world apparently still open. It's a relic. It's in Oregon. Yeah, Bend, Oregon. There it is. I'm going. Uh, Adam brought up some podcast news. Seems to be some new networks forming with big injections of cash. Uh, Luminary, I believe, is the name of the company. I talked about the female MMA fighter, the Brazilian female MMA fighter, who beat up the dude that was uh, being indecent around her. Street justice. That's what he gets. We talked about Dr. Integrity and his new ad showing that you should eat gummy bears post-workout. Good job, buddy. Yeah. Then we talked about Larry Wheels and how he was pressing, flat bench pressing, one 245-pound barbells, get this, in each on hand. each hand? Each hand. Is he doing it on the moon? How is this possible? He's silly. And finally, we talked about the Harvard University professor who predicted that in 10 years, about 50% of private universities will go out of business. Why? Because they're expensive. Yeah. Uh, and then we get into the fitness part of this episode. The first fitness question... Some programs put you on percentages of your max, in particular powerlifting programs. So when you do these workouts, they say lift at 80% of your max or 60% of your max. Our programs don't do that, though. Our programs tell you to go by feel and to stay within a rep range. Which option is superior? Hmm. Here's a hint. Ours is. Yeah. Then we get to the next Not fitness question. Uh, the next question was, what are the pros and cons of going barefoot? Now, the pros are it could strengthen your feet, your ankles. The cons are you have to look at Justin's toes. Uh, but there's a lot more of that in that part of this episode. Next question. Uh, we always talk about bulking and how you should do it for about three to four weeks and then do a short, weak deficit or cut in between to break it up. Why? Why do we recommend that bulking, cutting, mini strategy? Why do we think it's more effective? And the final question. Who are the four most famous people we would love to have on the podcast? Also, uh, we launched a new MAPS program. Brand new MAPS program. Our most hardcore advanced program to date. 
Uh, please. It's pretty crazy. Take my words to heart. This program is for you maniacs out there that love working out a lot. The true savages. That have been working out for a long time that want to see what your genetic potential is. In other words, you want to squeeze out every little bit of progress out of your body. You're already kicking ass. Let's see what you can do. The most advanced program we've put out, MAPS, PED, Performance Enhancing Design. Design. Test yourself. That program's brand new, and there's only three days left for the $60 off sale we have on it for its launch. Here's what you do. Go to mapsped.com, M-A-P-S-P-E-D.com. Use the code PED60, no space, for the discount. And if you want to look at our other MAPS programs, that you think may be more appropriate for you. Let's say you're more intermediate or beginner. We have programs that are better for you. Just go to mapsfitnessproducts.com. Uh, what was that movie? Uh, 80s, great movie. The kids make the hot chick with their computers. Oh, Weird, Weird Science. science bro. Great movie. Weird. Good yeah. movie, right? That's definitely a classic. Dun, 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 it is, but it's inappropriate. I was trying to show my kid, and I was like, <laughs> wait a minute. Oh, oh yeah! Oh, the model in there was she was fantastically hot. She yeah she what was her name? I don't remember. Anybody remember her name? No, she, that was the only movie I remember her even being in. She was smoking back in those days. Yeah. Remember the scene where, where they finally open the door and she's got like the half shirt on? Yeah, it's like whoosh. yeah, and yeah. it's like oh, oh it's the, cold. Was it, there was, was always it, wind? Was it in that, 80s movies that inappro- <laughs> inappropriate? There, it, they were, they're taking a shower together, they're talking yeah. about having sex. It's, yeah. I feel like when things were PG in the 80s and I 90s. Th- they pressed it. Yeah, I'm it was, sure there was nudity, too. Well, I think you guys no, are tripping. No. Stuff today is way worse than what it was. No, the ratings now are more safe. More accurate. Dude, go watch an old PG film, and you'll be like, whoa, I can't believe they were they were doing that. Yeah. Oh, the ra- like who the fuck pays attention to a rating anyways? Parents. Yeah. Parents. Do they? Yeah. 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 When you want you're gonna watch a movie with yeah. your kid. I mean, I get in trouble for that a lot because Corner's like, this is PG thirteen. Oh, I didn't I didn't even know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What was her name, Doug? What's her name? Kelly LeBrock. Kelly LeBrock. Ooh, Kelly LeBrock. What's she up to? Shout now? out, Kelly. She's uh I don't know. Shout she, out to Kelly. She <laughs> <laughs> She must be listening. She was on um some like one of those reality. Whoa, she looks tore shows. up right there. She doesn't look good anymore. Oh uh-huh. no. Well, that's depressing. Well, you know what happens is you know you get. Oh, Hollywood, she did Woman in Red also. Mm. I remember that one. Wasn't that a song? That's the you no, know, it's Lady in Red. Mm. Is oh, dancing thanks, with Justin. Me. Cheeks to cheeks. Le- what? That's what it was. What do, do, you you do you remember? Do you remember the Woman in Red? That's the that's the scene where she walks Nobody talking about a dress can. getting blown up. That's and wind. Justin, you brought up wind. Yeah. That whole the movie is based around that. He sees her. She walks across. She's like in New York or whatever, and walks across one of those subway. Vent, oh, and vents, it just blows up and the dress blows up, and she's like spinning in circles while it's like blowing. She's trying to keep it down, and it's blowing up like crazy. You don't remember that? Do you no. remember that scene? No, but I know the original scene of that was uh, Marilyn Marilyn Monroe. Mm-hmm. She's the original subway blowing up the yeah, skirt. Yeah, she went with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yep. That and was everybody a, tried to remake it after yeah, that. Everybody, everybody tried, tried to, to re- yeah, tried she to remake was the it. OG. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah, dude, what, what were you dude. raving about yesterday? What were you? What was that four sigmatic? They got me now, bro. Did they finally get you something that they, you like? You, a taste? you actually like? Uh, they got taste? me. They got me now. What, what, what? Actually, I should, I should back up here. They they got me. They uh they had me at chocolate. You know the oh, the, yeah, the, the, right, the dark yeah. chocolate was the El Nana. But actually, the I'm really enjoying the the coffee latte one that they just came out oh. with. What's yeah. the what's the ingredients like? How do you make it? I don't fucking know the ingredients. <laughs> I just I just 
Come on, dude. You're asking the wrong guy. Yeah, I just mean like how you put it together, Sal, not like the Sal, actual ingredients. Sal does this. This is what I do to Sal. I come in. I go, yeah. you know, our sponsors send all kinds of stuff over. I go, hey, who sent whatever? And he's like, oh, okay, forcing back. I said, when do I take this? Morning or night? That's all I say. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I ask. You okay. know what I'm saying? Hey, my my yeah, bad. Yeah, yeah, remember, yeah. remember it's the mushroom coffee latte. It's fucking bomb. It's got chaga in it. It's got uh, other, other mushrooms in there, chaga being the main ingredient, 200 milligrams per dose, and a little bit of instant coffee. Mm. See a little bit of caffeine with the. Uh, I like chaga with caffeine because it balances it out. Yeah, but these are all adapted. So I've I've added mushrooms. it to my coffee. I've had it with the with just almond milk, and I've had it with water, and the it's across the board good. Mm. So I'm, I'm impressed. And I'm, and I like their supplements. They make the best. They have the best coffee snob, So I, I might have to try it. It's yeah. you know okay. Do you guys remember in Pumping Iron? Yeah. When they're competing in the Olympia at the end, mm. and they're interviewing Arnold about Franco. Because Franco Colombo, I mean, is just, yeah. he's a terror, right? And he's shredded oh, yeah. and he's jacked. He was a monster for and his they're size. Like, and they're like, Arnold, you know, what about Franco? Because like, you were talking about Arnold about his competition. Mm. And Arnold goes, uh, yes, yes, yes. But uh, the day of the competition, he's like a child and I'm like his father. <laughs> and he goes, and he asked me for advices. Uh, it's not hard for me to give him the wrong advices. Remember that? Yeah. So Adam just takes whatever I give him. Yes. So <laughs> one oh, day, yeah. So he's the child. Yeah, no, not like that. But, you scenario. know, it's not hard for me to give him the wrong thing. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. It's not. But since we're, we're all working towards the same goal, I don't fear that. I if know, we I'm were competitors, <laughs> I would worry about that. Yeah. If we were competitors, <laughs> you wouldn't be like, Sal, just give me whatever. Yeah, yeah, I, would yeah, yeah, I would trust him. You would vet that information exactly, a little harder. But I know that yeah. he knows if he fucks me up, he fucks us up. So What did you just give me? I took an hour ago. I'm starting to feel kind of weird like yeah. 15 sleeping pills why yeah. what are you talking yeah. about i wouldn't yeah. do that yeah, he hands yeah. me stuff i take it then i ask him afterwards yeah. what did i just take yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> anyway um dude uh i felix gray the blue blocker glass company that we work with glasses yeah. company uh came out with a and they don't often come out with sales they don't at they don't all do that. so they don't at all yeah, they, they are like and i've had to explain this to people why they're the only partnership that we have that we don't have a discount for and that's just because they're they're like the Rolex. Yeah, they're of, like a luxury brand. It's like Tiffany's. Blue yeah, you'll never find you can't you can't get a Rolex on sale. It doesn't exist. It will never happen. It's just part. They've they've decided to brand themselves that way. And they're uh, very. They are very. Uh, you know, upscale brand. Very nice, clean, good looking brand. Yeah, they've put a lot of money in the research and the the quality of their product, and yeah. that's where they won't flex. But now they're doing, and I like this. You get ten percent off if you get two pairs of glasses. Oh, they're doing a sale. Or yeah. yes, or fifteen oh, percent yeah. off if you get three. Now. Here's why I like it, because with the blue blocker glasses, Felix Ray's got two types that you can get. Now, besides the different styles, where you can get different styles if you want to wear right. black frame or brown frame or different whatever styles of them, there are different lenses that they sell. And the main ones that they sell are the daytime blue blocking glasses, which block less of the blue light than the nighttime ones. Mm. Now, the reason why that's important is you want to block... Some of the blue light when you're working on your on your computer at work to prevent eye strain and, and headache and that kind of stuff and to protect your eyes, but you don't want to block all the blue light because otherwise your brain starts to perceive that you may be it's time to go to sleep and that could kind of make you drowsy. So then they have the nighttime one that blocks more of the blue light and that's helping that's for helping you sleep. So now that they have the discount, you can get two the daytime ones and the nighttime ones. Boom, right. 10% off. And there what's cool is your ritual. Both of them don't change the color of the TV or your computer screen, no. which is so cool to me. No, I, I was- uh, That I, was the big selling fact for me originally when we found them, and then when we find out how great they are, then it was like, okay- Otherwise, everything's different. orange. Yeah, you don't look like you're going to a rave. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I tried watching a movie in the orange ones, and it was just a pain in the ass. Yeah. You know what I was watching? 
So uh, with my kids, uh, it was as at night, and this is when we first started messing around with blue light blocking glasses. This is right around when I st- we started reading the research and the science, and I was like, oh shit, there might be something to this, especially well for nighttime, especially. Mm. So I got myself just your traditional orange ones. This is before we worked with Felix Gray. So you put them on, and they're orange lenses, and everything is orange that you see through them, yeah. and that's how they block the the blue light, right? And my kids wanted to watch one of those like Earth, New Earth, or whatever documentaries on on netflix yeah like our planet yeah completely yeah. ruined it because oh. part of the reason why you watch those is the vibrant beauty of yeah the, that would that, yeah that so would i suck. put i put it on I'm like oh earth isn't that cool <laughs> like <laughs> what yeah. is this mars yeah. just bullshit yeah jessica's yeah. like well, look, oh my god look at that snake and look at that vibrance i'm like fuck i'm off <laughs> I'd, rather not go good. In the trash. I'd rather not sleep good yo we talked we had a question on the last q a about uh sleep and honestly if you're somebody who gets great sleep then you know maybe investing in something that, like this other than like if you're somebody who's on a computer all day long maybe not as big of a deal but if you're somebody who struggles getting good sleep or unwinding at the end of the night like this is somewhere where i see a lot of value in tools like this now I'll, i'm even going to challenge that adam because i now that i've worked with uh, and coached at least uh, 20 or 30 people uh, online since I've started to understand the role that sleep plays uh, or fully understand the role that sleep plays in, in fat loss, muscle building, and overall health, I have uh, now determined that most people think they have good sleep when in fact they don't. Once yeah. you pry deeper, and it reminds, it's no different than when we would ask clients, hey, is your nutrition you, good? Oh, yeah, my diet's good. Oh, no, I think my diet's good. I eat yeah, pretty healthy. I, I'm pretty healthy. And then, But when you start to dig deeper, you start to realize yeah. like they have no idea. So yeah. when I'll dig deeper, I'll be like, how many times do you wake up in the middle of the night? Yeah. Oh, you know, a couple times. Boom, big red flag. You yeah. shouldn't wake up in the middle of the night. That's right. probably, do you dream? Yeah. Uh, not really. Boom, another red flag. You're not entering into the deep stages of sleep. When you wake up, do you feel rested? Uh, no, I feel pretty groggy. There's another one. There's another bad one. When you hit the pillow, do you fall asleep super hard and crash? Yes. Oh, that means you're overtired. You're probably not getting enough sleep. So there's all these red flags and people don't realize, they think that they sleep good, mm-hmm. but they don't, re- or that they rely on sleep aids. Lots of people are like, oh, every night I have to take this herb and that herb and I have to do this to get myself to sleep. It's like, okay. And really what it is, is it's an overstimulated central nervous system and it's a brain that didn't get the, didn't get the memo that it's time to go to bed soon. Mm-hmm. And it takes a while to get that process. And so set the stage and, and put together a sleep routine, which involves... Number one, ideally, turning off your lights or down to really dimming your lights in the house and turning off electronics about two hours before sleep or second place, which is not as good. So I'm not going to lie. It's not as good as doing that, but it's much more feasible to most people. Put on blue blocker glasses because if you want to watch TV or you want to be on your cell phone, do that two hours before bed. Do it for a couple weeks. Watch what happens. We have to get an Amazon link too to that alarm clock because yeah. dude I, everybody's I buying god it's crazy though yeah. like for me that that took out a lot of anxiety like that i didn't even realize i had anxiety about waking up but like the anxiety like i used to wake up just abruptly like ah and then like you know my whole day i'm just like kind of frazzled it took me like hours to get like uh you know like right again and like my thoughts in order and uh, just that gradual process of waking up, I, I can't like speak enough. Dude, to this it. is how you know we're not full of shit. We have no affiliation with that. Kind I was of just gonna, but I, I, I plugged them like. I was going to say we should have Jackie put a, a link in the show notes. And you know, Katrina, I know you're listening <clears> right <throat> now. 
you were supposed to order that for us like a month ago, and we haven't oh, got it. Oh, you got to get on it, bro. Dude, so the link is in the you. show notes, Katrina. Yeah, it's a it is a game changer. It's weird. It you, really is. You wake up, and you ever wake up in the morning, uh, like on a weekend with no alarm clock, and you just, you know, you just kind of gently uh, wake up, like, oh, it's time to wake it's, up. It's like it's like that's how it wakes you. It's up. like waking up to a horror movie versus like a Disney movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. really like that. Yeah, dude. Bro, I'm like like birds chirping, like oh god, yeah. It's like, so welcoming. weird. It's yeah. so weird. I'm, <laughs> so I'm getting weird, it for dude. my kids too because. <laughs> When I wake them up, they're in a bad mood half the time. It's probably because I bang on the door. I'm like, yeah. I'm like a drill sergeant. Wake up! You know, boom. So now I'm going to get them one. They're expensive. That's the only thing. They are expensive. Yeah, like 100 uh, bucks. Well, there's, like there was two of them. I saw a cheaper version no, one and then the more expensive don't one. Don't do the cheap one, yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Don't fuck around. No, but it's just like you wake up and you're like, oh, I guess it's time to wake up. What dude, time is it? You, speaking of movies, uh, dude, did you guys know that there still is one blockbuster left in existence in the world? Where? And it was not even uh, Anchorage, Alaska anymore. There was actually one that uh, that closed like a year ago, and there was actually one that was still open in uh, Australia as well. But now the only one left surviving is in Eugene, Oregon, or Bend, Oregon. I'm sorry. Why is it there? I don't know. They just never closed it, and they've actually made that like a destination. Like people are visiting this That's place hilarious. for nostalgia reasons. That's oh, hilarious. that is funny. And they're like still getting new releases in like new movies like Disney and stuff. They ha- there's some service that provides like VHS versions yeah. of like brand new like content and shows out there. It's going to become like a record store. Yeah, like- it's totally like nostalgia. Like they have like a blockbuster brew. In there that they're selling beer and like so people are like making this Dude, cool party. Well, out. there's there's still some value to some of these places because like my my best friend's uh, parents, uh, they're, and they're they only live two hours from here where we're at, but it's it's east and north, and they have like no they have no internet connection really out there. It's yeah. terrible. Like everything's satellite still. So if they still, you know, get like the DVDs mailed to them, from, mm-hmm. they get it from Netflix now. But I could see someone like, like in their town, if there was a blockbuster still there, they would totally. Yeah. Well, because remember, like that, we we talk about it sometimes. But actually, walking in there and they have like everything on the on the shelves. It's the experience. Watch it. It's the experience. They got milk duds. They have all that stuff still there. Mm. Uh, you know, like all displayed like it used to, dude. So it's pretty. It's a trip. You know that they're trying to keep that. That, uh, a thing. Yeah, Doug forgot to push uh, mute on yeah, his porn there. That was my. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know that what? was the my, my wrap me up story. Yeah, you know, <laughs> you, you, like, you oh, know what shit. though? A lot of people, especially kids, don't realize the joy in that kind of a date. It was a fun date. You take yeah. your girl to the blockbuster and you'd walk around, and that took like an hour. You get to walk around, yeah, yeah. pick a movie. You know, you're up and you're out. You drove there, and it was it was fun. Then you grab a little candy on, on when you rent the movie. Did you see it on um, uh, Captain Marvel? You know, when yes, the, where she, she like drops into the blockbuster. Yeah, that that, was, that was a great way for them to highlight the time. Yeah, you know, that they were they were in the nineties or whatever. Yeah, did you watch right. that movie? I did. Yeah, what did you think of it? Kids, it's okay. Which it one right. is which one is that one? It's Captain right. Marvel. I haven't watched it yet. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, all right. It's all right. It was really. Right. I'm telling you, Shazam, the best superhero movie I've seen in a long time. Yeah, that and it was because it was hilarious. It was funny. It was really well made. Okay, I'll yeah. check that out. Captain Marvel was, you know, yeah, it was okay. Uh, so yeah. I got some podcasting news for you guys. So this company, uh, Luminary, they just got uh, funded a hundred million dollars, and they are, and this is going to be interesting for us in our space and any of those that are Ooh, listening. I heard right about now. this, yeah. So they are building like their own network. Uh, they they're going they launched literally today so they're launching today they have forty shows mm. uh, underneath them that are commercial free 
It's under a paid wall though, right? Yes, $8 a month. So this is going to be interesting to see oh, what happens here because these companies are are picking up a bunch of podcasts like ourselves that have already a, a large network of people that are listening and then they're bringing it, um, bringing it under an umbrella of a network and then saying, okay, we're going to pull all the ads off, but then it's an $8 a month subscription to be a part. Interesting. I wonder how much they're paying. Do they own the podcast? Well, I would imagine, let's say if they were to try and acquire us, that what they would have to do is they would have to say, okay, you guys make X amount of dollars in advertising, so we're going to pay you X amount per year to be a part of our network. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then would they, they wouldn't own us though. You know what I'm saying? Well, well, you'd be exclusive on their platform. Yeah, but yeah uh, that's, for whatever yeah, you draw up it, is that's the what I mean. Contract. Like they don't own these 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 shows. You know what I'm saying? Well, like they don't own them and produce the them. Exclusivity the, of it, they would. Yeah. Right. So we wouldn't be able to take this and go also put it on YouTube. Right. right. But like if we left, then we could like we could use the brand. Oh we yeah, could use you can't name. put it on YouTube. Oh yeah, that's a yeah deterrent. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's it'll be exclusive to their to their their streaming service. Huh. They're so. gonna have to. I mean, if they're getting big podcasts, they're gonna have to pay some serious money. Um, they are. They're all. Yeah. They're. They're all big ones. That's what. The, that's the idea. Really. So, so it's. It'll be. I mean, they got a hundred million in funding. So obviously, hundred million. Hundred million in funding. That is wow. crazy. So they're. Are they literally trying to spearhead like like just like uh, Spotify was trying to be the Netflix of audio, or whatever. Like they're trying to be like that for podcasting. For podcasting, I do believe so. Wow. So here's what's interesting about that. Yeah. What? Because what a difficult position to be in. Uh, because you know how many times you do brands, not brands, but uh, new models come out that then fail. So you're looking at a company like that and, right. and, and part of you is like, okay, they're going to pay me this much. They got a hundred million funding, but is this model going to work? Because if I sign with them and they don't work, yeah. that could ultimately hurt me. You know well, what I'm saying? I could see this. Totally. <clears throat> it would never work for us, mainly because I don't think that one, we, we don't allow a lot of commercial stuff with us. Two, we only we only pick commercials or brands that we already personally fuck with, so it's very easy to tell organic stories of us using it. Mm -hmm. So I don't think there as I don't think it's our ads or our commercials for products are as annoying to our consumers as they are for a lot of other podcasts. There, most other podcasts um, take like whatever ten whatever, minutes of like reads. yeah whatever brands that they, that yeah. will pay them like doesn't the, the post office doesn't matter what it is they'll they they will take it if they pay well and then it's a read at the front of the podcast and it's you know six eight ten sometimes longer minutes when you start off and so most people go through that and I would imagine that there's a good portion of those people that would say hey listen if I had to pay eight dollars a month to like make sure I never had to hear an ad on my favorite podcast or two again. I would do that because I feel that way about streaming. So Spotify, Pandora, I pay the extra fee for no commercials. Yeah, because see that yeah. that right there proves That's the model. Because part of me thinks, why would anybody pay eight bucks a month when they can listen to podcasts for free? But then they've already proven that with the paid for music right. models. Because right. you can listen. I use Pandora for free all the time. But it's got commercials on it, and a lot of people are willing to pay absolutely money to do it. I do it on both of those. So now, have, how profitable are these these yeah. platforms through that? Like, and do you think that eventually they'll be able to have two options? You know, like they do. So uh, they already do. Okay. So they have a free they have a free, free option still paid. But if you want the premium content and with no oh, that's commercials, interesting. So they they're taking a page which is Pandora and Spotify's model. Also, is you can still use their platform, but if you want the premium stuff, you got to pay the extra. Huh. And part of the premium is eliminating ads in there. Uh, you know, I don't know if I would do it with podcasting. Uh, I I find it very annoying with 
um, with music. Music, I get in a flow. In room, I'm in a room. vibe. I'm in a, a flow. The, I have a beat going. I'm either working out yeah, or I'm really dancing. It's a stark contrast. Yeah, and then like, and then all of a sudden you get to a commercial. That's really annoying, which I could see people that have podcasts where they do in the middle of their episode go, and let's get a, a break from our sponsors. <laughs> like right when it's getting good in the conversation. And yeah. Break the, so like, there's there's podcasting friends of ours that, that segment their show in, in multiple parts, and they throw commercials in there. We hung out with some friends recently that do six commercials per episode, which I think is a ton. Yeah. I, we don't like doing two. I mean, and so I can imagine, you know, four or five or six commercials in an episode. It's like at what, because then at what point does it become, uh, you know, like how regular TV was just 15, 20 years ago? I used to hate yeah. watching sitcoms that were 30 minutes long with 15 minutes of commercials. You literally get like six minute segments of actual TV. Right. They, 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 like, they, they were building content just for six well, minutes. Well, it got it's crazy. So, they, they got so good at it that the whole writing of the show yeah, was, it was designed geared, around geared around commercials. Yeah, because if you ever watch a old TV show, uh, commercial free now, you can tell when they break and you're like, why is it cutting? Where it's cutting. I'm it's so glad we have more options yeah. now. That was horrible. Yeah. But what's in, so here's the question I have made. I don't know if you know the answer to this, Adam, but how profitable is has a company? Because Pandora makes money off of the subscription, plus they make money off of the commercials. So they make money both ways, right? right. The free option, they make money from the commercials. So is this company going to make money off the subscription, but also make money off the commercials so that if the podcast run with the commercials, they get the money for that too? I would imagine so. You think mm, so? I would imagine And how so. profitable are the companies that are doing this now, like Spotify, Pandora? So that is an interesting question that I don't know the answer to. I would assume that more people are more like me, I could be completely wrong though, but are more like me than the other way. Like mm. I think most people when it comes to music probably pay for the premium, uh, for like Spotify and thing uh -huh. and things like that. Um, you also get a little other. They're smart too because it's not just that. It's not just no ads. It's like you get the the platforms better. So like I get like um I love to. So you uh, can also pause, rewind, skip all that stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I also and you get recommendations to other uh music that that's in that genre. Right. If you like this, you'll probably like this, this, and this. That's awesome. It also does the lyrics. For me, so someone like me who was the kid who, when I used to buy CDs, I'd open up the yeah, CDs and the I, artwork and I would read all the word, all the words. So, so with podcasting, how would that work? Because as of right now, you can download a podcast for free. You could fast forward it, rewind it. You could do all those things. You could skip certain you know segments of it. So they don't control it quite as much as they did with music. Like music was controlled still, right? Like yeah. it was free, but I can't create a playlist necessarily for free, rewind and, and do that kind of stuff. Um, and I can only skip so many times. With podcasts, it's infinite. So I don't know if the value is as much. You know what I'm saying? The, the only value, I don't know, and maybe I'm wrong, but it sounds like the only value is you just don't have to listen to a commercial. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with you. I think this is this is going to be really interesting for us to watch what happens yeah. um, in, in our space. I, I, I don't know. It's, it's very competitive. There's enough people giving free content that is pretty much ad-free anyways. I don't know. If enough people will, then again, when you look at, um, so I've never been this guy either. I don't know. If, I don't think either, I don't, anybody in here is this person either. The number one podcasts are like murder mystery stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So if those are flood, if those are the number one, you got to think that those are also flooded with the most ads, right? Sure. Those are, so those probably have the most commercials. Now, if I'm listening to my favorite murder mystery story podcast and I'm getting it broken up every 30 minutes with commercial breaks, I probably would pay an extra $8. Especially if I'm that into that podcast that I'm listening on a very regular basis. So, 
you know. And, and it is a kind of a generational thing. Like I come from the generation that got used to breaks. And so to get me to pay for something to eliminate commercials is a little harder because I'm like, whatever, yeah, it's a five-second commercial on YouTube. I don't care too much. Mm-hmm. But my kids are very, very used to watching stuff uninterrupted oh, to the yeah. point where I can't even imagine. Like They get irritated with a YouTube you know, 10-second commercial where you could skip yeah. it. Like, and, I, and I can't even imagine watching TV with them when I was a kid. They would have lost their mind. Right, three so, minutes. Yeah, so that's the generation that I think – is probably going to be more apt, right, to, to paying for stuff like that. Yeah, it'll be it'll be cool to watch. I'm excited. It's uh, I'll be watching the company closely, so I'll keep uh, updates for everybody on on how well they're doing. My prediction is that they did their own homework and figured out they probably surveyed all these people that are listening to these murder podcasts. And if I got a you know say there's a three million audience of people that listen to these the top ten murder podcasts, and out of the three million. Forty percent of them said I would pay eight dollars a month yeah. to not hear ads. Do you on know it. what well, podcast they have? Yeah, well, I know they have a list of like them. Russell Brand was talking about it recently, and like uh, I think that they're getting um, you know some of those guys that remember the whole debacle with Patreon and all yeah. that. This is perfect timing for this because now it's like they have another option for you know a paid wall where they're still going to make income, but they don't have because they're not real like Sam Harris's and people yeah. like that that are doing podcasts that are very educational. Well, now, if you're if you're smart, like what I would do if. If our format was different, right? So this to me, this this whole thing doesn't really apply that much to us because we don't do commercials like that. We don't take advertisement. That majority of our business model is built off of our program sales and things like that. But if I was like, let's say Jordan Harbinger, and and that was the main source of income was through my advertising, and I also segmented my show like he does. I would just offer that to my own audience. I would say. Hey, those of you guys that really don't like the commercial breaks and don't like this, I also have, and then I would just have my editor take out, string it all together. Yes, yeah, that, str- that reduces the that could potentially segment or split your audience and reduce the amount of money you make for your your. You'd have to, to you're, for your commercials, of course. But then yeah. you make up the difference in what you're going to get. Theoretically, yeah, you yeah. wonder if you have to cannibalize, or right? Not. Yeah. Well, so what Ben Shapiro does is Ben Shapiro has his podcast, and then he has specific content that's only available. Yeah, Stephen Crowder does the same thing. Yeah, that. I like that model. That model makes sense to me. Like the, the exclusive content you can't get anywhere Personally, else. I like our model the best. I think it's give everything that you possibly can away free and then you have like a, a something a la carte that people that is adds value that they will buy or a lot of people buy out of purely out of support. I know for sure that there is a, a large portion of our listeners that have bought programs just purely out of support because we have helped them with free con. We've given them so much free good content that has fundamentally impacted, changed their lives or somebody they love close to their mm-hmm. lives that they feel that this is my contribution to that. And sure. yeah. that model has served us very well. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And the, the, here's what's exciting to me. What's exciting to me is that uh, you have $100 million dollars uh, from investors who see this as, as something va- uh, viable, oh, yeah. and it's in a space that four years ago, uh, you know, people weren't even considering necessarily as a, as a huge segment of media. Oh, it's definitely going to boost growth uh, in podcasting and get it to people that still maybe you know don't really know that much about podcasting. It's just going to make it more mainstream, which is good. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting to me. I wonder I wonder what it's all going to look like, but we'll see. We'll see. It, it, the, the market will wash out what's not working. 
and what's working is just going to grow, and that's the beauty of the whole thing. No, 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 it's going. I mean, there's no doubt this space has been on the rise for some time. I mean, of course, it's why we, we got into it. It's it's actually really fascinating to me how many people I do see hopping on it. And I just got questions today on my Q&A about um, ways to, other ways to make money if you don't sell programs. And, you know, to be honest, even with our experience in it and the success that we've had, I would never recommend somebody starting a podcast to make money. I don't think that's a smart strategy. I don't think it's like, oh, wow, I know these guys that made a lot of money doing podcasting, so I want to do it too. It's like, I think you have a business plan, a why, and then podcasting can be something that helps support that vision. But to start podcasting just because you think it's a good place to make money, I don't think that's a smart strategy. Yeah, and plus, I think you gathering the audience and getting the feedback, you'll figure out like what the audience actually wants right. too, and you can construct that. Yeah, absolutely, dude. Did you guys? Did I send you guys the article of that MMA fighter from Brazil? That no. Group, that, okay, no. so there's this. <laughs> oh, you told me about this. So let me yeah. let me see what her name is. Uh, loop. Joyce is Vieira. Okay. So she was doing some some photos on the beach, and she was wearing like a you know kind of like a, a thong one piece type thing and some random dude some fucking creep walks up and starts jerking off no yeah, way he, did. Oh, he starts jerking off oh my so God. she's like uh, hey stop doing that and he goes no i'm not gonna stop he goes i know you like it or whatever so she kicked him and he punched her back and then he realized very quickly he made a mistake oh because she beat God. the shit out of him. <laughs> No way. Yeah. You guys send that link Dude, to that me. Guy, this oh was in Brazil? God. Yeah, I think this is in She's a Brazilian MMA fighter, but that's a Oh, up. my gosh. Uh, it says, is that guy mental or what? Yeah. It says here, uh, this is a, a quote from her. She says, when the guy saw that it was going to get real, he started screaming. <laughs> and, and, as, and then he started to run away as other people were trying to say, yeah. yes. Because she beat the crap oh, out of him. Yes. How great is that? That's so Justice. Awesome. Street right. justice. Yeah. 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 Well, dude, these you know, a female MMA pro fighter uh will beat up most average guys. That's for, a, that's, that's uh, a fact. For sure. Yeah. Most average guys are gonna see a girl and think, eh, <laughs> you're gonna get your ass kicked. Did I ever tell you the story of in, in jujitsu when one of the female um instructors uh, choke the guy to sleep. Did I ever tell you guys about this? Uh, I feel like I have heard this story. I don't know have. if it's been on the podcast. She either. and she was not a big. She was an average size girl. I don't know, 130 pounds, 140 pound. You know, athletic build or whatever. She wasn't even a, bl- uh, a black belt. She was a purple belt. Which you know, purple belt you have you know typically anywhere between you know three to five or six years experience. So you're you're pretty damn good and you can teach classes. And this guy comes in to take the class. And every once in a while, we used to get this in jujitsu where you get the dude that comes in and he wants to do the full sparring and just like goes right out of the gates and goes super hard and, and, and doesn't realize People like so he's going to hurt himself, yeah. you know, because when you go really, really hard, if you go really hard against me and you don't know what you're doing, but you're trying, you're you know, using all your strength and I put a submission on you, that means my submissions are going to, they're going to come on faster. And I have to put them on a little quicker and a little tighter. Right, you got to grip harder. Yeah, and, and, and the odds that you're going to get hurt are much higher, especially if, when you don't know what you're doing because you move in the wrong you're way. You're thrashing into it. And, and every once in a while that would happen. Some dude would come in and his ego would get checked. And not because anybody's malicious, but just because he's just thrashing, doesn't know what's going on, and he'd get hurt. So anyway, this dude comes in, and he's like a normal-sized dude, I don't know, 180-pound man. And he comes in and signs up for the first class and – the way jiu-jitsu class starts is we do our practice, uh, excuse me, we do our, our exercises first. So it's like warm-up drills, jiu-jitsu drills on the ground. You're doing what are called shrimping on the ground. You're doing your rolls, all this different stuff. Then the instructor, which this day was a female, 
teaches us a technique, and then you take your partner and you drill this technique over and over. And then the last hour of jujitsu is full contact sparring. You go against each other and you go you you know try to get the other person to tap out, and then you once they tap out, you start over, and that's it. So at the very end, this guy goes, uh, he goes, oh yeah, I want to I want to spar. She's like, well, it's your first class, maybe you should. And he's, no, 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 I'm ready. She goes, look, this is your first time. Why don't you go against me for your first class since I'm the instructor? And the face he made, you could tell. He was just like, all right, girl, I'll go against you, like whatever. Yeah. And we were all like, I, I was looking at this guy and I was like, I hope he doesn't <laughs> think he's, gonna, I hope he doesn't get cocky because she's going she's gonna to hurt him. And so sure enough, they're going against each other and she's playing on her back uh, because she's being kind of, you know, trying to go easy with him. And she catches him in something and he picks her up and runs off the mat trying not to get submitted. And that's like a big no-no. That's a big like, don't do that. So he does that once. She tells him, don't pick me up and bring me. Uh, yeah, yeah, I know you can pick me up. Believe me, if I wanted to, I could do a different submission and, and whatever. And he rolls his eyes at her like, yeah, right. I had you or whatever. I could have slammed you. So she's like, okay. So she puts him in a, a, a triangle choke. He tries to pick her up again. This time she hooks his leg so he can't. And he goes to bed. Goes to sleep. <laughs> yep, goes, and she lets go and he's <laughs> snoring on the ground and he wakes up. It's like, bro. He never came back. His ego did not like Some that. Humble pie right yeah, there. Yeah, pie. Did you see your your boy, your Dr. Integrity, and his ad with what is gummy he bears? Doing, dude? What is he doing? I love that guy. Gummy bears bouncing here and never, never. He's a, he's a relic. He's yeah. an old relic. Nobody gives a Who's shit anymore. Who's still even talking about that? He's irrelevant. I, I still see every once in a while I see somebody rocking a Jim Stepani or a Jim uh, Army Jim <laughs> Army shirt. A Jim idiot. Army. Yeah, no. is stu- I see a, some shred shirts what, out there. What still. a stupid post. Really? Yeah, I've really? seen one the other day. Such a stupid. It was an ad. It was an advertisement for, and I don't know what he was selling. One of his stupid products, and he's talking about how gummy bears and pixie sticks. These are great post workout, and he's explaining it scientifically. Dextrose and fucking glucose, and you need to post. Yeah. Why are you promoting fucking Candy post workout. You're in the fitness space. You shit. Like, tell yeah. p- fine, but why don't you tell me to eat honey or something? Eat something that's a little bit not so processed and a little healthier. He's kind of sending the wrong message, don't you think? It's yeah. it's ma- yeah. Oh wow, look at he's even got the gummy bears on his website now. Oh. I wonder if he's getting sponsored by Willy Wonka. Wonka. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, get some pixie sticks. Oh man, what what it is, and it's it it's it's, it's so old. It's tempting for trainers to do this because it's what people want to hear. Of course. I mean, you're a young kid. You're, I'm 17 to 23, like, and this doctor is telling me that it's good for me to take gummy bears after my workout. Fucking green light to, to for my candy addiction. This is awesome. Awesome. I subscribe to this. I'm all about it. Like, I mean, that's what it is. It's like everybody's like, wow, this is cool. I can... It's actually good for me to have my gummy bears. Oh, God, get out of here with yeah, that stuff, Yeah, and it's just... It, well, it's that the fit... You know, the fitness space makes me laugh because you have... A lot of these these guys and girls, and really 100% of their motivation is about aesthetic. 100%. And they push that. And it's all about just who – yeah. oh, gummy bears are good because they replenish yeah. glycogen and they taste good. Who cares? I'm ripped. Who cares what's going on the inside of your body? Yeah. 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 I'm going to be ripped. As long as the outside looks And great. they're promoting this message, which is you're already dealing with a lot of people who have uh, body image issues that are coming to, to look for advice right. on this kind of stuff. People who have – you know, where they restrict and binge – and then you're telling them, yeah, eat gummy bears, and here's the science supporting. And yes, we can use the science to support why eating a gummy bear post-workout 
replenishes glycogen and all that shit. But is it any better than a whole natural food? No. Then why promote the gummy bear? Oh, right. I know why. It gets you clicks and views. Uh-huh. Well, it's, yeah. we got Lane doing the same thing right now with his fifty his fifty grams of uh, is it what he's doing? Fifty grams of sugar. Yeah, he's day. trying to prove his point, and they're and they're they're double doubling down on their you know cupcakes and pizza and it fits my macros type yeah. of deal it's so funny because i know it i remember when they did the he did this back with his uh, co-host Sohi when they when she decided to get ready for a show and her, her goal her goal was to eat i believe a a snickers bar every single day leading up to her show and show that she can get in competitive shape and the one thing that i did appreciate that she shared on the show which i believe lane would say the same thing too but but to me that's even more reason why is you it, should it, do this is he would tell you that when you do that and you're in a caloric restricted diet and you're also trying to hit your macros you just made it really really difficult by taking x amount sure. of grams of that dedicated towards candy right i mean it, it's already hard that's for the, where your nutrients are it's already from. hard for 90 plus percent of the population to hit macro targets for their body what your body needs nutritionally on a daily basis for whatever goal it may be whether that be to reduce body fat or to build muscle hitting cons- hitting macronutrient targets consistently is extremely difficult and then if you decide that you're going to insert candy on a regular basis, you're just making it that much harder. So it's the, it's the message overall. I'm just not a fan of it. No. Can you do it? Yeah, you can do a lot of things the wrong way or not ideal. Here's the problem: is there something? Is there a, a big problem with eating candy? Not really. Um, the problem I have is in the context of placing it in something that is sold as healthy or sold as fitness. That's when I have a problem. So look, every once in a while I eat candy too. Sometimes I drink alcohol. Obviously, sometimes I will, you know, smoke a joint, and I'll do things that are not healthy either. But they're not in the. I'm not selling them as something that is healthy and fit. I'm being honest and saying, well, yeah, I'm having a drink, but I'm not sitting here going, alcohol does this to my body, and if I take it at this yeah. time, then I'll maximize it. Whatever. Yeah. Could I do that? I bet I could. In fact, I bet I could sell the fuck out of alcohol in a way to make it sound like it's going to be. I'm switching to red wine completely for the resveratrol. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, 100%. Anyway, but I, but I don't think Lane's in the same category as Dr. Integrity. Lane's, Lane's, uh, Lane does have integrity. Dr. Integrity, that's our nickname for him. It's the opposite. Yeah, no, I agree with that. that. Yeah. Uh, do you guys see Larry Wheel's uh, insane strength feat that he did? Oh, what now, dude? That he, dude, dude, check this out. Is he going to explode? Beast. Is he going to blow up? <laughs> yeah. I really, I How feel, strong can can he get? I think he's I'm going, and, I'm, and heaven forbid, I would never wish that upon anybody, but I, there's a part of me that's a little scared for him. Yeah. Because how young and strong he is. Which, and, uh, exactly. and he's hanging out with all the strong men, yeah. you know, the competitors that are like twice his size, but he's still lifting with them. Dude, yeah. he so did, what do you do now? He did one where he did, uh, he was doing chest press, Flat bench chest press with a barbell in each hand. Oh, right? I did see that. Not with a dumbbell. Hands. Not a dumbbell. Yeah. A barbell in each hand. So how hard could you imagine how hard it would be to balance a fucking barbell? Was it like two twenty five on each? Two forty five. Two forty five. Holy shit. Two hundred and forty five pound barbells in each hand doing chest press. Yeah. Jesus. That it's is like, insane oh, to me. Push. I couldn't imagine. Try pressing. Just the 45-pound barbell in each hand. Yeah. Just the balance alone and with the wrist and everything, that's got to be so crazy. Yeah, yeah. I don't he, know. <laughs> he also did a 500-pound shoulder press. <laughs> that's the other thing he did. I quit. Yeah. <laughs> that's where I start seeing that stuff. I'm like, yeah, I was going to post that's that. That's insane. There's the video right and there. And I don't post it. Look at did, that. Did he just post this? Yeah. Well, I just saw yeah, a post it says, on it. says one day. He got this from uh, Bradley Martin. 
Riley Martin did this the other day. With 135 probably? Uh, it was, yeah. It was definitely not as much as he, he – it wasn't no 245, but it was good weight. I know Bradley did some – Damn, weight, here's the shoulder press. Look some shit I know I couldn't do. Seated uh, shoulder press, 500 pounds. Oh, my God. Yeah, it's just – just this guy is insanely strong. Yeah. And he's done a really good job of, of – look at this. Damn, that's good depth, too. All, all the way to the chest. Yeah, he touched the chest. All the way to the chest. Wow. That is uh, – that doesn't make any sense at all, does it? No. He's really he's really done a good job though of branding himself. You know, he, he, what does he what does he compete in? He's a powerlifter, right? Does he compete in powerlifting? I, I, I don't know. I don't that. know if he actually even competes. Does he? I, yeah, I don't even know about Scroll that. Scroll up, up to the top of his, his profile and show me if he if he actually. I think that is the top of his profile. No, 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 the top. Oh, there we there go. go, right there. Yeah, I don't think so. it doesn't say there. Yeah, I, don't, yeah, I, don't I think, he, but he's done a good job of just promoting himself through these different types of things. So, well, like, I'm, he's like the legit version of what Brad Castleberry was trying to be, right? Yeah, yeah. I no, would love right. to see a competition between him and and Castleberry. Yeah. Oh, everybody's been calling that guy out forever. I he's know. not going to do anything. He's not, is he? The, you know what's funny is like, he's still impressive, but he just yeah, you know, he yeah. threw that shit on there for extra. I, that's why too. Like I don't, I, I see every. It's like the new thing for everyone to rag on him. I'm like, leave the fucking guy's fucking stronger than most of you fuckers talking yeah, shit to him. I'm like, you guys are giving shit because he put fake plates on there. Of it's like all the things he's he's done that he's done on his videos. I haven't seen his page in a long time, but of all the things that I've seen him do. The most impressive thing by far is sprinting. No, jumping that, out of the that's pool. the second second. Yes, the, the sprinting was the second most impressive thing because you can tell when someone can move. Yeah, and that fucker can move. Yeah, yeah. he can move. But the the most impressive thing I saw him do skateboard, he, fucking kickflip. Yeah, yeah. He's a big yeah. jacked like he's meathead. Athletic. He's athletic, yeah. and he's kid, doing dude. a good ass kickflip. I was like, holy shit, that's yeah. pretty damn good. Huh. Yeah, no. At the end of the day, he's he's a, he's an impressive little turd himself. You know what I'm saying? All these but all these guys are like ragging him because he he did the. I mean, but you, I guess he made his bed. Now you get a lion. You know, that's, that's the you, thing. Yeah, that's what you get for lion and there's shit. There's always dudes yeah. like Larry Wheels out there yeah. fucking throwing. It's like weight. why. Why would you do that? I don't understand why you would. Would you? Why would you lie about something when you're already like you're already a badass? Yeah, you're already a badass in there. Like yeah. 95 percent of people will never be able to do what you're doing, mm-hmm. and then you. I guess maybe it's the you just get addicted to the Instagram right, and all that, and right? Like trying to like outdo everybody else around you. I yeah, think. it's yeah. just yeah, it's one of those things. He, yeah. he just got swept into it. So that's that's kind of my fear when I look at Larry Wills. I mean, because that's everybody knows him for that, right? What next crazy feat? Well, that, and well, I mean, Juju Mufu actually surprises me all the time with how creative he gets. You know, like yeah. I'm just like, how, what else crazy are you gonna do? I, I feel like Juju's got more staying power though, because oh, like, he, if yeah. you're known for how strong you are, there's a shelf life. You know, right. at some point you're gonna either hurt yourself or you just get older. Yeah, he's got more versatility in he, terms of like like yeah. acrobatics and all these other things he presents. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, one last thing. So a Harvard professor is making some waves right now because. He did this this whole talk and wrote this paper on disruptive uh, segments of the market, and he predicted that in the next ten years, he thinks half of private universities are going to go out of business. Oh, yeah. wow! Yeah, because a lot of them are not making money. A lot of them are trying to figure out how to make money, and and the reason being is because of all the disruptive technologies and online education. And you compound that with the fact that universities are so insanely expensive to go to nowadays it's such a bloated cost that people are not realizing the return um and you're starting to see the growth of uh, of trade schools and stuff like that so he's like 
half he thinks half will go out can of you send that to me because i was actually just having this argument with one of my best friends who's a, a vice principal i want to really send, yeah send that over yeah no well. that's interesting i've heard that too about trade schools and like how that's like a new direction because i mean how many more programmers can we possibly produce yeah you know like there needs to be people that actually know a, a skill and a trade still yeah. well i just think it's a matter of time before you know the the education process completely flips on its head that that was the argument i was having with my my best friend that's in, in you know high school right so or used to vice principal at high school and i'm like dude the the model is going to change in our lifetime 100 percent. Yep. like it's it's getting so close as far as once the, the and i really think like the, the the ted talk version is kind of the future of it like imagine if the curriculum that you would go through right now at you know whatever said university is for let's say business and you know the things that you learn in the first uh, the first semester the second semester the third and you just had a series of ted talks that covered each one of those topics in in the same chronological order i i would argue that the kid who actually did that would rival the kid who sure. sat in the classroom and got lectured by his teacher. Well, and, and I don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I can tell you this, right, right. that when you go to a university and you're spending $300 on a book, okay, and that's 100% a racket because where else does a book cost $300? Nowhere, especially when I can download a book for free uh, on my phone or on my computer where I go take a class and it costs me, or I'm doing a course and it takes me, it costs me, hundred thousand dollars to get a degree or more and then i know that the job i'm going to get afterwards isn't going to pay that back for yeah. 15 20 years or maybe never because i went and got a a degree without lots of return you look at the market like that and you look at the the cost versus the potential benefit it's it, it just doesn't make any sense and it's gotten too crazy the cost of, a, of higher education has far outpaced inflation. It's exploded. And part of the reason why it's exploded is because there's a lot of easy money. And these colleges are sucking it up. So it's easy to get loans and stuff for school. And then you got politicians promising that you don't have to pay them back and all kinds of the shit. It's like it's going to pop. That bubble's going to pop. And again, the alternative is free. I can literally go online and take most of these courses for free. But it's not as maybe it's not as uh, you know all we're put gonna together need, as well. But it will be all we're going to need is a couple more like massive success stories of the you know the Jeff Bezos or the the Bill Gates type of minds or people that end up blowing up and having huge success in business that lay the blueprints down of like this is what I did after high school I went and started on these series of at home videos that I watched or what however it's going to be how it's going to look that share that success story and we see enough of that. I think happening. I think that's what when everybody will start to really make the shift. Mm -hmm. It's inevitable, though. It's coming. Today's Squaw is brought to you by Maps Anabolic. If you're looking to maximize your overall muscle and strength, Maps Anabolic is the perfect place to start. With a full 30-day money-back guarantee, there is absolutely zero risk. So what are you waiting for? Go to mindpromedia.com and get started today. It's the motherfucking quad. The eagle has landed. First question is from Mike Adams 7 When warming up and working up to your working weight, do you go by percentages or just intuitively? My buddy is doing Wendler's 531 and working off straight percentages. Is that ideal for getting the maximum effect at higher weights without burning yourself out on the way up? 
Yeah, there's a little bit of a debate. I don't know if it would be a debate, but I get mm. this question quite a bit where especially powerlifting programs, which if you're going to – of all the fitness programs that are out there – those are the best ones typically. Usually because they actually have some science and some programming in right. them. And so, you know, when I, when we first entered into the space and we looked at all the programs, like if you look at Olympic lifting and, and powerlifting programs, there's definitely rhyme and reason put in there. Um, and they go by percentages where, you know, one workout is 50% of your max, you know, effort or whatever. Another day is 80% or whatever. Now, here's why we don't go by that. And here's why I never did. That works really, really well for – or it can work really well for the advanced athlete. But for most people, going off percentages doesn't work because there's so many factors that can impact how heavy or light a particular weight feels. Yeah. And so I, I, I know when I'd work with everyday people and I'd say today is a 70%, that 70% today may be a 90% to them because they didn't get good sleep or because right. their stress you know, was high or because they didn't have good nutrition. Um, so I like to go off a of feel. I like to tell people to aim for a particular rep range and then go by feel within that rep range, meaning add or, or, or take weight off based on how heavy that weight is feeling. Do you know why why um, powerlifting programs are so much are so much better than the average programs in the fitness space? I think it's science over from uh, like, you know, in, in Russia and when they really put a lot of effort and money behind testing uh, you know, how to gradually increase, you know, load and how to do all these things properly. Like they had real scientists, you know, study through. We haven't really had that kind of Plus emphasis. the results are well, objective. Well, yeah, so, it's objective. So right. the, the, that's my theory. My theory is because y you can actually build an incredibly aesthetic physique with a subpar program. And in fact, not very good program. We all have muscles. And if you diet correctly and you lose body fat, it will reveal, reveal all those muscles, right. which in turn will make you look aesthetically pleasing. Hmm. But it doesn't mean that you had a great program just because of that. Mm -hmm. You could have just been in a caloric deficit for six months and got rid of all the body fat around you. Right. Maybe if you're lucky, you built a pound of muscle or two. Hmm. But with strength programs where i.e. Uh, you know powerlifting programs where you have to get ready for a meet and you started somewhere so you can't you, fake it you can't you no. started yeah. i started deadlifting and squatting and bench press and overhead press these were my numbers but they're before. not considering aesthetics at all not at all it's all about performance and yeah. there is something that you can measure right. like that and you can say okay before i started the program my bench press was this my squat was this and, the, and then you go through the program and at the end of that program if it if those numbers didn't all increase mm -hmm. then it was probably a shit program so there's no room for cheating these programs like you couldn't yeah. write a good powerlifting program and it be shitty or else people would find out about it really quick and so there therefore a lot of the science supports it now what we see in our space and a lot of the the competitors that put out programming for people to look better there's lots of room for garbage because if someone diets really well they'll get lean they can get shredded yeah. You know, so that's the reason why we see these people. With us. Now, when I talk to good friends like Jordan Shallow and the Ben Pollocks who are in the, in that community, even even if and I don't know because I've actually never read their programs. And I would assume that they probably do recommend percentages. But I've talked to them about how they approach themselves. 
They do that for the program so people have a, a guideline or a direction they should head in. But they go by feel. But they go by feel. Mm-hmm. Almost a- anybody and everybody that I know that's been lifting for a long time does not go ca- bust their calculator out and go like, oh, this is 60% of my max. Yeah, therefore, no, I'm going to do I'm it. Suppo- yeah, exactly. That. I'm supposed to do eight reps with this because it's this percentage. And then they go lift it and they're like, I can only do six. But it's what I'm supposed to do. But you guys know as well as I do when you're writing these programs, you have to consider like beginner or people that are like, you know, haven't really spent a lot of time behind, you know, the iron. And so to be able to communicate it, you have to get like to a level where it's very specific. Yeah. And so like the percentages, I think work as sort of a guideline but again like even though you have to go through the practicing of it to really find that feel uh even to begin yeah, with we're trying to teach people to learn their bodies and one of the number one things to teach somebody is to listen to their body mm-hmm. and sometimes many times percentages uh, of numbers teach you to not listen to your body because you get someone who's got this piece of paper and says i have to work out at these percentages of my max today's my day to do that They'll go in there and they'll ignore the fact that they don't feel good, that they don't feel as strong. That's what the program says. I got to do it versus what we say, which is, okay, today's workout, we want you to be within the eight to 12 rep range, for example, stop about a rep or so before you fail. If you go above and you outside of that rep range, add some weight. If you're below that rep range, then you need to uh, take some weight off. Just stay within there and go by feel. And that allows you to train your body based on where your body is at. And that is a skill and a behavior that you want to teach. You want to learn. One of the best things I could ever teach a client, you know, day one is that. Like, go by how you feel. Because again, we see this oftentimes, right? People show up and they just hammer themselves even though they probably shouldn't. So teaching your client to kind of listen to their body, it's a great way to gauge the intensity, the frequency, the reps, all that stuff. And so that's why our programs are that way. But you're right, Adam. Aesthetics is purely subjective. Bodybuilding is purely subjective. You're judged by your appearance. And the problem with being with it being so subjective is they don't know what they could have looked like. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. In other words, if they follow a shitty program and but they get lean because they diet properly and they look in the mirror like, wow, that program really worked. I look good. They don't have anything to compare it to because they don't know what they could have looked like with good workout programming like right, MAPS. Right. If we were able to do that, if it were possible, maybe we had some advanced AI machine that said, plug in these two programs and see what your potential would look like, yeah. then they'd see what some they were missing. predictive, mi- yeah. They would see what they were missing out on. Like, oh shit, that's what good programming can do for my aesthetics. Yeah. With strength sports, it's purely objective. You either got stronger or you didn't. Right. And this program made you more strong than the other program. Therefore, this program is more effective, and that's why those programs seem to be much more well-written. But definitely, I mean, will we ever use percentages in the future in our program? Perhaps, uh, if applicable. But for the most part, well, I always tell people go by feel. I could see us using that if we were to write a powerlifting program. If it's applicable, right? Right, if right. it makes sense. That that makes sense. To, but even then, I think that, that we would still write in the blueprints of that is... Also the feel portion right, of that. Right, right. This is, this is what you should be gauging or going for today. But right. if feeling you know not that strong today, reduce, listen to your... I mean, no matter what... We're always going to default back to that because, and this is the one, this is the the major Achilles heel to our good buddy's program that he wrote. He's invested a lot of money and a lot of time in building this app 
that's all AI and it's supposed to, you know, you're supposed to be able to enter your weights in and then the next day you go to do your workout and it automatically spits out exactly what you're supposed to lift for you. It does all these calculations. We have the formulas. We have the calculations like this guy's asking about. The problem that we saw when we first looked at this five years, four years ago, whatever it was when we first looked at it was, man, like what we know from training so many people is that that is there's so many variables that could fluctuate. People don't there. show up the same every day. Yeah. And and look, it's not just to give you an example, there's studies that show the kind of music uh, that you listen to while you're working out will make you stronger or perceive the weight Dude, to be lighter. Dude, the information in the news you just got from your girlfriend right before you walked in, yeah, the yeah. night before you slept, the food you ate 2 hours ago. I mean, there's yeah. so many things. As, as close as they're going to get even with HRV and like as advanced as we've got with ways to kind of try to quantify like the the overall feeling uh, you know, your body is and the feedback that your body is giving you, uh, even then that like the you are going to know best, like intuitively, how you're feeling if you're paying attention to your body signals. The best coach you'll ever Always. find in the world, the, the best coach you can possibly get, better than any world renowned coach in the world, is your own body. You just have to learn how to read it and listen to it. And when it comes to how much weight you should lift uh, for the rep ranges, that's an easier signal to learn to read. There's other signals that are much more difficult to, to learn, they take time. This one's a little a little bit easier. You, you you might have to take a couple reps to a couple sets to failure, but then you know, okay, cool, I can stop a rep. Yeah, uh, find your threshold. That's it. Next question is from DSA Inc. 213. What are the pros and cons of going barefoot? What are your opinions on barefoot shoes for everyday wear? Well, if you don't want yeah. to get laid, wear the shoes every day. <laughs> that's great. I like them. Great yeah. birth control. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I remember when uh, when this this fad or whatever you want to call it went gangbusters i was this back when i had my i remember too yeah my personal training studio right when i first got it and um i'd have clients who were runners and there was this i think it was a documentary that was on uh is it born to run that book that came out or maybe a book i read that book yeah yeah. and and they were talking about there was this guy who went and observed these uh cultures that were just exceptional runners and what he saw in these cultures was that from from the, the day they could walk, they didn't wear shoes, and everything they did was barefoot, and they ran barefoot. And what he did was he he studied the way that the foot would strike the ground, the mechanics of running. Mm-hmm. And what he came up with was, which he was accurate, he's true, it's true, that when you learn to run barefoot and when you can run well running barefoot, your biomechanics are superior. Mm-hmm. Uh, first off, when you run with big, you know, thick-soled, squishy, you know, running shoes – that encourages you to strike heel first when you run. So you're running kind of heel first. And that eliminates the am- amazing shock-absorbing effects of not just the ankle, but also of the foot and all the, and the muscles of the foot. There's tons of muscles on the foot. When he was looking at these other cultures where people were running barefoot and they were running well into their 70s and 80s without any back or knee problems, he, was, he, could, he saw that they would strike forefoot uh, yep. first. And that's because of those shock-absorbing effects. So then it's caused and created this huge, uh, like just this huge fad of minimalist shoes. Everybody needs to run barefoot. Here's the problem with that. It was like <laughs> zero to 100. Oh, 
you know, like, and that was the biggest thing. You saw people starting to get injured, you know, having ankle problems, you know, having knee problems. And it's because there was no gradual, um, you know, scaling of that. It was just, I went from having these huge moon shoes to now I have like nothing. And I just have, you know, flat and then my toes without any training and, and you know, prep for that. No, well, here's the thing. These cultures that these people witness, and if you look at hunter-gatherer societies, they never wore shoes. So talking about the day they could walk uh, up until they die, everything they did, they're running, they're walking, was down barefoot. They're, they've not only developed recruitment patterns that are appropriate for being barefoot, but the muscles of the feet and the toes and the ankles and the way they balance, all these things have developed over years and years. Now, you or I or anybody else listening right now uh, who grew up in modern Western societies the second we could walk, we were probably put in shoes. Mm-hmm. So our feet and our bodies molded around the food, the, the, the shoes. If you think you could go from, and you're a 35-year-old you know, man or woman or even a 20-year-old man or woman, and you're like, cool, I, you know, I think I'm going to go barefoot because it's better for me, and you go barefoot, you're going to hurt yourself because you are totally deconditioned uh, to do so. It takes a long time to get your po- to get to the point that you do that. I remember I had a client who she, you know, read about this or whatever. She always wore high heels all the time and heels, you know, can be bad for your back and all that stuff. And so she started just going barefoot at, at home all the time. And she ended up getting um what's it called on the body mirror foot? Plantar, fasciitis. Plantar, yeah, fasciitis, yeah, fasciitis yeah. and issues in her ankles and she's like, "What's going on?" I told her I'm like, "Okay, you got really good at walking in heels, mm-hmm. and you just took them off and went without them for a long time. That can cause some some big problems. So you got to start sl- slow, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I trained barefoot yesterday, so yeah. I, I I think it's um I think it's great for people. Mm-hmm. I think it was uh, something that I was lacking. One of the things that uh, Doctor Brink did for me when we met, uh, geez, it's been almost four or five years now, right? When we first met, and he had me take off my shoes, and then you know walk you know, in a straight line for him and then perform a squat, uh, he, you know, he really broke me down and, and started with my feet and said, you know, you have weak ass feet. Your, your feet are completely weak. When you, when you drop down into a squat, um, your, your feet are pronating and then that's causing problems all the way up the kinetic chain. And I had never been spoken to about my feet. I mean, I've had many of other trainers and peers of mine, look at my squat and we break down my squat, how my squat could be better. And I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Um, I've never had somebody tell me to take my shoes off and then break me down from the feet all the way up. And it was incredibly eye-opening for me, completely changed uh, how I looked at my squat, completely changed at, uh, the, the breakdown that I had and my focus. Um, what became, okay, let's see here. I got to, I got to really strengthen my feet, my ankles, and then work my way all the way up. You took your time, didn't you? Oh yeah. No, it was Mm -hmm. two years of this. And those that have been listening to the podcast for a long time know, because there was a while there when I was on a kick where I was, you know, I'd take the dogs for a walk barefoot, um, almost every day. I would make sure as soon as I got home, I'd start taking my shoes off earlier than what I would before. And, you know, then I started, you know, implementing barefoot workouts occasionally, but you, you got to, like Sal's saying, you, you got to be careful if you're somebody who's been so, like if you have a really shitty squat with squat shoes or even regular shoes on and you can't even, you can't do ass to grass and then you all of a sudden decide you're going to go barefoot, uh, you're going to be in a, a world of trouble. You're going to see you're going to break down. Like I couldn't go into barefoot deep squatting right out the gates. Like I mm-hmm. had to 
first address all my mobility issues. Uh, otherwise, I would just break down even more because I my still had weak feet. I still had all these other imbalances in my in my hips and my uh, shoulders and. So all that stuff in my ankles, all that stuff had to be addressed first before I got to a point where I really strengthened it. So I think it's wise of you to take the shoes off and to get get out there and walk on grass and dirt as much as you can to start and to get reacclimated to being barefoot more often mm-hmm. and then eventually try and incorporate some of your workouts with being barefoot or barefoot shoes. I see value in that. Uh, but again, it's a process. It's not a, I went from being somebody who was wearing shoes all the time to all of a sudden now I'm, I'm bought into the barefoot right. shoes. And here's, yeah. and here's the other thing to understand and consider. You're an adult. If you're an adult um, and you do all these foot exercises and all these ankle exercises, you will improve dramatically, but you'll probably never get to the point where your potential was had you started walking barefoot and doing all these things as a child. And this is the truth. Like, you know, Adam could do all the foot exercises he wants yeah, for the he rest of his that life. Developmental window. He's yeah. He lo- he, he missed that window uh, of being a child. You know, walking barefoot and whatnot. Our feet have permanently or permanently deformed and different. And if you don't believe me, you go online and you can Google. You know, uh, hunter gatherer feet versus modern feet, and you can see that our feet clearly have been molded and shaped to our shoes. And the reason why I'm t- I'm saying this is just to respect it. Like to, to respect that there's a big difference in in the in because I've seen a lot of people hurt themselves because they're like, "Oh cool, I'm going to wear the barefoot shoes and I'm doing everything now." Yeah. And then they come to me and they're like, "I hurt myself. My mm-hmm. ankle's hurt, I hurt my knee, I hurt my hip." Um so you got to you got to be respect it and take your time and go real real slow. Dude, I remember, I mean, I used to wear running shoes all the time or like even like basketball type shoes where I had this like big lift in my heel and just to go from that to chucks like more flat like sole type shoes that had a little bit of flex was a dramatic step and that took me a long time to get used to that and like work through sort of the little aches and naggy like pain and tightness as a result but then going from that and then you know graduating to like more barefoot movements and all this type of stuff I mean it's been game changer well, that's what you had. That was to my point too, right? You got to be careful if you have poor ankle mobility, and you go squat barefoot. It's going to make your squat worse. So that was that was like super important. That before I squatted barefoot, I had to first work on the ankle mobility. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it just makes the squat even worse. So if you have, because when you are in a heel rise like that, it allows more travel for your knee, which allows you to get into a deeper squat because you're in an, an elevated heel. You go all the way to flat. And then you try and do that deep squat barefoot, and you're going to break down even more. So you have to, right. if 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 you don't have the ankle mobility, it's going to compensate harder. Yes, exactly. So if you don't have the ankle mobility to go ass to grass in shoes, you're definitely not going to have it when you're barefoot. So address the mobility issues in your ankle at simultaneously be working on strengthening your feet before you decide to start doing these workouts barefoot, especially when you're talking about squat. And it's funny too, the wisdom of some of the old time bodybuilders is. is- present when you learn all this stuff arnold used to love working out barefoot in fact that's what he was kind of known for which is interesting right that, that the is guy interesting. just by feel he would and he talked about it when you when when i would read his uh, encyclopedia bodybuilding he talked about how he enjoyed working out barefoot especially when he worked out his legs next question from i'm pitiful wow i hear you guys talk about bulking and recommending doing three to four weeks in a caloric surplus followed by a week or so in a caloric deficit could you explain why you recommend this strategy and how to implement it? Mm. 
Uh, there's two reasons why we recommend this. Uh, the first reason is, and I'll speak just uh, you know for myself, and I'm, we'll see if you guys echo this. From my experience training people, behaviorally speaking, it's superior because uh, it it more mimics real life. Um, real life, when you're eating normally, sometimes you're going to have more calories, sometimes you're going to have less calories. When I had clients go deficit or surplus just all the time, certain things would happen. Like if, it, if they were always in a deficit, I started noticing fat loss would stall. I'd noticed that they started to really hate being in a deficit so often. They'd start to get really, really hungry all the time. Um, and it was just a difficult uh, space to be in. With the surplus, I noticed people stopped gaining muscle, started gaining more body fat towards the end, um, and they would start to get sick of food and it was difficult for them to always eat in a surplus. And so what I would do with clients is I would break it up and I'd say, okay, you've been in a surplus for for three weeks. Let's throw you in a week of a slight deficit or maintenance. Um, they would lose a pound or two, no big deal. And they go back to their surplus and their appetite's back up. They're eating the food again and then muscle starts to come back on and it's less body fat. And the same thing for the cut. When people would be on a cut after three or four weeks, I'd put them on a few days of a surplus. They'd get the energy, they'd get the strength, they'd feel good. They go back to eating in a deficit and we'd start to see you know, fat loss again. Now, the science now is starting to support this. They've, they've done studies where they've compared groups of people where they have one group who uh, you know, goes in a, in a deficit and then has a break, if you will, and goes back on a deficit versus someone that stays on or people that stay purely on a deficit, and they lose more body fat uh, that way. I would surmise that the same is true for people trying to gain muscle. I don't know any, of any studies that show that, but I would bet that it would show the same thing, that bulking and then going on a week where it's a little lower and then bulking again, your body just assimilates the calories a little bit better, uh, almost resensitizes the body, if you will, uh, for lack of a better term, to the proteins and the fats and carbohydrates that you're consuming when you're in a surplus. Yeah, I don't have the science to support that either. That's just a theory that I've always had when I've been training not only myself, but clients, especially those that are competing. And that was kind of like, that's been the consensus for everybody. It's like, man, when I take you on a, you know, say a six month all bulking, you know, what ends up happening at the end of that bulk is we, we put on an excessive amount of body fat. It's, you know, yeah, we build some muscle along the way. We get really strong, all these other, these things that are great. But then at the end of it, we also ended up putting a lot of body fat on along the way. And when I've broken this up into shorter cycles of, you know, three to six weeks of bulk with these, you know, mini cuts in between. And sometimes it's not a couple weeks, sometimes just a week or even less than a week, three or four days, yeah. just inserting those three or four low calorie days. It just seems that the, the what it does, and I don't know why this would be any different since where our bodies are adaptation machines that get adapted to anything else that we throw at it. Why wouldn't it get adapted to something that we do to it on a regular nutritionally, especially if it's like we're force feeding the body all the time? Why wouldn't it adapt and actually start to assimilate less of it or slow down that process? And one of the best things that I've found to shake that up is all of a sudden go, oh, I've been feeding, overfeeding, 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 all of a sudden let's completely underfeed for a couple days and see what happens. Oh shit, that kind of like wakes the body up. Then I go back to feeding again. And now when I go back to feeding, I feel this great surge of strength. It seems that that all those calories now are going or being partitioned over to building muscle and not a lot of it's being stored as body fat. And it just has seemed to work really well. And it took me a very long time to figure that out. I did it the, the old school way for a very long time. For most of my you know training career, it was, you know, bulking seasons and it was cutting seasons. Mm -hmm. It was yeah. months of focused on one or the other. 
And it's not that you can't have success doing that. You absolutely can. I've just found it far more strategic. And also to the the psychological piece that we talk a lot on this show, it's it kind of breaks up the monotony of constantly being focused on one thing, surplus, 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 mm-hmm. surplus, surplus. And it's like, oh, cool, a couple of days of low calorie. Oh, and now I kicked my appetite back up. Now I want more calories and I go back. It's just seemed to work. I was just so talking, harder. I had the same conversation trying to like explain our mini cuts and mini bulk theory um, to this father of, he was trying to get his, uh, you know, his kid who's in, uh, in football, like bulked up and like good, solid, you know, lean muscle and building that process. And he, he said he'd already gone through this massively, yeah, like six month bulk period where, um, and then they went, they're starting through this cutting phase and it's like the hustle it's taking to, to, to shed all of that and, and reduce back down. It's, it's almost like it, it, it's brought him back to the amount that he was at the weight that he was at in like very little amount of muscle that he actually built overall, which was frustrating. Well, this is what, this is what I found many times. And I would find this with a lot of my peers in, in the competitive bodybuilding world. Uh, you know, I used to kind of jab at some of these guys that show after show, I would see themselves. They would bring the same physique, Every mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. because any of the anything that they did in the bulk, you know, they maybe they built a couple pounds in the bulk, but they put on so much body fat that when they would reverse back to cutting for the show, back to the same, they would go right back to the same body. They didn't put on enough lean body mass. The ratio of lean body mass to fat mass they put on wasn't enough for them to sustain a six week plus cut for a show. So they would get back on stage, and I was always looking at the same physiques. They were basically, and sometimes they were a little, maybe a little drier or a little leaner, but as far as like their muscle size and symmetry, like it was exactly the same that it was the show I saw them at the last time. And Mm -hmm. it was something that I prided myself on being able to do is if you were to go back and look at every single one of my, my shows, there is a a significant difference in every show I did. Every single show I did, my body looked different because I would constantly go back to the drawing board from what the judges would say, and I would build that physique. And the way I did that was through these mini bulks and mini cuts. I would never go straight bulking for three to six months without any cuts and vice and, and vice. I was you just did, about to do it. it yeah. Vice versa. Everybody <laughs> gets me for that one. <laughs> All right. Next one is from M. Royals. What are the four most famous people you guys would want to have on the podcast? Oh boy. Yeah. Yeah, I still I still would love Jordan Peterson on the podcast. I know. Right? I really well, we have to make that happen. I really, really we put really, it out there. Yeah, we tried to get him on um a little while ago and I'd love to have him on the show just to just to converse. I feel like his conversations get so deep and so awesome. Mm-hmm. And and I'd like to just ask him about him, more about him, because I feel like he's battled with some of his own struggles and, and, and depressions. And I don't think anybody really asks him about that. You know what I mean? They ask him about the stuff that he knows, but they don't ask him about himself. But he's he would be the first person on the top of my list, I would say. I would put uh, Dwayne Johnson up there. Mm. Ooh, The Rock. Yeah, The Rock would be cool. Yeah. I think he would be a, just, a, just a cool relationship and connection. I think he's he's full of personality, so I think he'd put on an incredible Why show. is he so likable? You know, let's yeah. deconstruct that. Right, right. I think, yeah. I, I, so I think of someone like that, I think just getting them in the room would be a blast and fun. So Does anybody have as much social media pull as that guy? I feel like he's one of the most mm. influential. Like Kevin Hart's close, but not quite. And yeah. so is my other person I would love, which is Will Smith. I would love Will Smith, uh, really? too. Yeah. I think I think Will Smith's a very interesting character, and I think he's he's got a, he's, he puts out a ton of good content. I think he's got a killer story. I think he's would be a killer person to have. So there's another. There's my, there's my two that come to mind right away. I remember yeah. Will Smith when he was a rapper. 
<laughs> summertime. Yeah. That song still is great That is the summer song. Yeah. 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 Great and, song. and especially here in California, summertime comes around. That one's on the radio. I mean, it's, you guys know me. I, I would love George Lucas because I just I want to know his mind now after selling, uh, you know, the franchise. Like every all of his thoughts around it. Like, does like, he do what, what drives many, him now today? Does he do very many interviews? No. He doesn't. I know. I was gonna say I can't. Even, no. I can't even. I've been looking. Trust me. So yeah, he, he's done a few, but like they're really short. They're like at Comic Con where they just ask him like a few things of like. Um, it's really interesting to, <laughs> to to ask him about like how he came up with the whole thing and the whole mythology behind it. It's very fascinating. So why? Well, yeah. Why haven't they committed created a documentary around that guy? Right. Or something? Exactly. Would, I know. I. I mean, I'd be first in line. Yeah. So. It's, it's, how old is he now? That's he's a good question. There. Yeah, he's up there. He's he's got to be like after, late sixties. We better hurry up and get him. Yeah. I know. We need him. <laughs> it's, I, I want. I want him. I want. I want. I mean, Bill Burr right now. I think is the best. Oh, I would love Bill Burr. Love Bill Burr. I just. I just love his outlook. He would be a fun one. Him and Dave Chappelle was the other one. I was Chappelle. Like, I just love Chappelle. Yes. In his Cha- mind. Too. I would rather have Bill Burr for sure. Would yeah. you? Yeah. Both of them. Yeah. I, would, I mean, Chappelle's comedy is funny too, but Bill Burr, his, just his his interviews are hilarious. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Like it, the way, you, know, you could talk any social situ- social issue and the way he talks about the, the social issues, I think, are is hilarious. Yeah. yeah, and also he he's so razor sharp that if you slip at all, like he will come at you with like a thunderous, like witty, like response. So there's our four, right? Bill Burr, Dwayne Johnson, uh, Jordan Peterson, George yeah. Lucas. Oh, George Lucas. George Lucas. There you go. There's yeah, that, four. Yeah. There's our four. Oh, I love that. I, I love it when we get messages from people in DM. They're like, "You should have. You should interview Arnold Schwarzenegger." Oh, gee. <laughs> Great idea. Yeah. I didn't think of that. Let me oh, go. Oh, you know him? Yeah, Can me, you give us his number? Yeah, let me give him a call real quick. Yeah. yeah. Schwarzenegger would actually be the other person. And the reason why oh, I didn't yeah. say Schwarzenegger, Schwarzenegger is because it's like- Too obvious of it. It's yeah. obvious because he's, you know, yeah. in fitness or whatever. But I agree. If if you want a- I love Schwarzenegger. I dare somebody to find a greater example of the American dream. Mm-hmm. I dare someone. Mm-hmm. It is very difficult to do, to, to find somebody more. I mean, here's a guy who- Came to this country as an immigrant, didn't you know? Spoke with a terrible accent. Became, it became a millionaire before he ever became a movie star mm-hmm. through bodybuilding and through his own business. Um, decided he wanted to become a movie star. Everybody laughed at him. Told him to change his name because nobody could pronounce his last name. Mm-hmm. He said, "No, I'm keeping my last name." They said, "Oh, you have an accent. Nobody will want to listen to you." I, I bet you all make it. Became a movie star. Married Dude. a freaking Kennedy. Became the governor of California. What? He's just that guy that defied all odds. You know, you throw in odds like, you know, oh, well, that's like a million to one chance. Cool, I'm going. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. He's just that guy. Incredible self-belief. Yeah. And apparently one of the most magnetic uh, personalities out there. Became a Republican governor of California. That's another thing. He yeah. wasn't, they'd say, I mean, think about it. You, you're no way you can become the governor here. You don't speak the language You're, you're whatever. And you're Republican in California. Democratic like, heavy state. Oh yeah. For, for decades, decades before that, I think Reagan was last uh, Republican, uh, you know, governor and he freaking won. I mean, the guy's uh, definitely the American dream. I met him once though. Did I tell you guys about that? No. Yeah. yeah. I really? was at a, yeah, I went, I was at the Arnold classic long time ago. It's got to be at least 14 years ago. And he was in a room surrounded by a bunch of people. So I was like, like where Doug is. That's where he was. And this is where I was. So that's how I, that's how I saw him. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's me. Sal. He'll remember. He's the Terminator. Yeah, he'll remember if I meet him. He's like, hey, you're that guy. <laughs> you're that guy in the, 
You read uh, my encyclopedia a bunch of times, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> I felt your eyes across yeah. the room. Anyway, look, go to mindpumpfree.com and download all of our free guides. There's a lot of them, and they're all free. And guess what? They're all awesome. You can also find us all on Instagram. Justin is at mindpumpjustin. You can find yeah. Adam at mindpumpadam. And you can find me, yours truly, at mindpumpsal. Thank you for listening to Mind Pump. If your goal is to build and shape your body, dramatically improve your health and energy, and maximize your overall performance, check out our discounted RGB Super Bundle at mindpumpmedia.com. The RGB Super Bundle includes MAPS Anabolic, MAPS Performance, and MAPS Aesthetic, nine months of phased expert exercise programming designed by Sal, Adam, and Justin to systematically transform the way your body looks, feels, and performs. With detailed workout blueprints and over 200 videos, the RGB Super Bundle is like having Sal, Adam, and Justin as your own personal trainers, but at a fraction of the price. The RGB Super Bundle has a full 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can get it now plus other valuable free resources at mindpumpmedia.com. If you enjoy this show, please share the love by leaving us a five-star rating and review on iTunes and by introducing Mind Pump to your friends and family. We thank you for your support, and until next time, this is Mind Pump. <laughs>